1: You're listening to the Biohazard Declassified podcast.
2: What is up, guys? Andy and Jesse here from Biohazard Declassified. I uh, just you are all doing well. Today we got a very, very special guest. Uh, today we have got the con- YouTube content creator Dreamcast guys. Hello, say hello, Max. How you doing?
3: Hey, good to be here. A uh, huge fan of Resident Evil. Been reading the site forever. Very happy to be here. Uh, this actually, I think this is my first time ever being live on a Facebook stream as well. So all, all new frontiers to me today.
2: <laughs> the most ambitious crossover since the Avengers.
3: Yes, of <laughs> course. <laughs> this, is, this is the Avengers of horror, some would say.
2: There you go. But yeah, we're just going we're, we're to be here. We're going to be shooting the shit. We're going to be talking all about the Dreamcast guy. Uh, Dreamcast guy. Uh, talking about all up all upcoming projects what you've been working on but most importantly where did you originally start from humble beginnings i imagine uh like gaming wise or horror wise or just anything just just in terms of, of the dreamcast guy uh channel so the dreamcast guy
3: channel i created it oh gosh i created it like 10 or 11 years ago and i kind of tinkered around with some like Really cringy, satirical reviews, very angry video game nerd style ripoff of like, here's a clip of gameplay. Here's a joke. And I I did two or three of those. And then I kind of put it down for about I put it down for about six or seven years. And then I picked it up again in like 2012, 2013. Uh, I was working at a bookstore and I randomly had this thing where I was like, I want to make YouTube videos. Uh, since I worked at the bookstore, I had infinite access to knowledge. They allowed you to check out any book you wanted. So I started checking out stuff to teach myself editing, uh, learning about microphones and cameras and green screen, the way I could Photoshop thumbnails. And I just kind of figured it out. And so I made about 100 really bad videos and then some that sucked a little bit less and it slowly
2: grew. <laughs> yeah. so it, it's. It's about the destination, not the journey. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what would you? How would you describe your kind of niche? Would be a, a, a rude term to use, but how would you describe your content to others? If if and I said this to others, if me and you was in an elevator and you had uh-huh. to tell me what Dreamcast I was about,
3: what's your I would say. I'm a non-professional game reviewer, and I mean that in a positive sense in that uh, I've never gone to a single day of college. I have no training. I am nobody. But I think that's what people like about it is that I'm just a gamer. I have thousands and thousands of games. I collect books on game development and art books and stuff. So I'm a guy that... I am I am not going to be some giant professional employee at IGN or GameSpot. I'm kind of your alternative opinion. And nothing against major gaming websites. I just think that sometimes people like to see the random guy making videos in a spare bedroom. So uh, I, I dig it. It's definitely fun. I like that I have all the creative freedom as well. I get to pick my projects, the games I want to beat, I can. If something sucks, I can just throw it away and not care. <laughs> it's definitely a lot of freedom.
2: And that's the point, actually. So, again, because, you're, you know, you're, you're a verified YouTube content creator, do you feel, do, not that you get uh, special pickings, but as you said, you, you've got complete creative control over your content. Have any, like, uh, studios been in touch and, and offered you, say, offered you uh, content of uh, uh, games and stuff like that to review? And uh, have you ever felt like you had to? give a good review or as have have you always kind of had that sort of, well, you're going to give to get the game to me. Mm -hmm. This, you know, I'm black and white. This is, this is how it's going to be.
3: It's always been. So something a lot of, I I actually like this a lot. 99% of game studios, they don't care if you give it a good score or a bad score. They just want an honest score. And so since they see that my content is just, it's straight up my opinion, it's unbiased. It's just, Here's the game and here's what's works. Um, Every every game studio I've worked with has been really cool. A lot of times they'll give me the game super early, uh, sometimes two weeks. Uh, The craziest one one time, uh, because I'm a big Yakuza fan, I had Yakuza 6 two months before release. Sega was like, the game's done. It's really big. Do you just want it right now? And I'm like, yes, I absolutely (laughs) want it right now. (laughs) So it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a place of privilege, but I like that I can just like crank out these videos at my own scheduling. I like to give myself my own deadlines and stuff, but these, these game studios, a lot of times they trust me a lot. Like they're fine of like, even if I critique the hell out of it, a lot of times these studios, they're like, okay, well, still a hundred thousand people saw it. So it was worth giving him a $60 game because, you know, that's going to sell a couple more games, you know?
2: And uh, any, any favorite studios? And again, I I don't want to crucify you and uh, you know so you don't get any future opportunities but do you have any like a uh, re- like really cool studios you like to work with who always you know give you a stream of con- uh, content to work with or I, or is it just random I I don't
3: none on the none on the like business side but uh, there one of my favorite things is since I've been doing this for so many years uh, A lot of game developers know who I am. And I think a lot of us forget when you beat a game and you see those like hundreds of names in the credits. Those are individual people. Those are like artists and musicians and passionate people that are all trying to make this big art. So a lot of times when I go to these like gaming conferences or big conventions and stuff, I'll get stopped in the hall. And like like one recently is I was when I was at QuakeCon playing Doom Eternal last year this guy like i'm standing in line for something and this guy walked over and he was like hey buddy i'm actually one of the main dudes over on doom eternal like do, did you play the demo yet and they pulled me out of line and let me play some doom eternal just like it for as long as i wanted uh and it's like obviously like an alpha demo version thing of it but they just were like okay so honestly did the jumping feel good and stuff so that's that's my favorite thing is more than just like which people give me games, it's the interesting thing of, like, I, I finally get to see the faces behind the games, which is so cool to me.
2: Yeah, and I suppose, you know, say if there was a, um, not a bad game, that would be a, a, a bad way of phrasing it, but say a game that you didn't particularly like, if you had the chance to meet the developers and, and kind of really understand, because it, it might just be you're not understanding the message of their game, like with, with other media, like. Movies, Mm -hmm. music, that sort of thing. So I suppose you really start to appreciate the art form behind it. um, If you actually do meet the developers.
3: It it is. And you also see the mistakes a little bit more. Like uh, a a lot of times the biggest problem is that it's imagine if you're trying to drive a school bus, but everybody in the school bus can vote which way you're going to turn the car. So you're the game director, but you have all these kids in the back that are saying, turn right, turn right again, turn right again. So sometimes... The best idea with good execution and enough budget still completely sucks just because, like, confusion or crossed wires. So sometimes it's nice to play a really bad game, and then years later I'll get to actually sit down and, like, have lunch with one of the developers, and they're like, Oh, we had this totally different leveling system, and then at the last minute they made us cut it out, like, one of the, like Deus Ex uh, Mankind Divided. I had sources tell me on the record that basically uh, they were making that game. Everything was great. And towards the end, Square Enix pulled them into an office and said, it needs microtransactions. I don't care how you get it in there. It needs to have microtransactions. And so at the last minute, they're like, uh, okay, then I guess we need to alter the whole leveling system so you can buy boosters. And that stuff just happens. And it's like, this guy's paying my rent. I, I have to do what he says, even if my artistic Ideas don't like it. I got a fucking mortgage, you know. So I think a lot of times we kind of forget that. Like sometimes the dumpster fires we play, it's not just one guy screwing it up. It's not one dude being lazy. A lot of times it's this huge, multifaceted Hydra problem. So,
2: no, agreed. And you can definitely tell that in you know media such such as Battlefront. Like, yeah, a a lot of love was poured into it, but you can tell when there's there's involvement from other parties, the suits. It then just becomes out out of control, and that's a that's actually a valid point. You've you've and looking at your channel, I've, I've been following you for a little while. You you cover retro games, you cover the whole shebang, the absolute whole shebang. You've seen the journey of where games have of of kind of come come to all across the years. So for yourself, what's the next step? Do you think? Do you think? What I'm trying to say is, do you think microtransactions are here to stay? Do you think like the the, the typically poor business practices are here to stage or do you think they're a phase and you know the next gen is going to be a little bit different we're going to see it
3: a little bit longer i've had people tell me that they think that the what's probably going to happen in 10 years because i don't know the next five years is still going to be loot crates and season passes and for 150
4: years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org/holiday.
3: Crappy, buy the DLC before it's made kind of stuff. But I think in 10 years, I do think that everything's going to be a Netflix-style thing. I've actually talked to different people that have basically said that, like Sony wants playstation now to be everywhere like the way that xbox live is doing it i've heard everybody wants to do what uh, what they're doing which is like you pay for games pass and you get every microsoft game i've heard a bunch more like people saying like they want they want a 100 million people to pay five dollars a month instead of having 10 million people paying 60 dollars every three months hmm. so i think that's what's going to happen is pretty soon you're just going to have your controller and a Maybe some sort of set-top box that does install the games, and you just pay like your your PlayStation fee for that month, and it'll install like everything. Which, for better or for worse, it is going to be weird to think about. We're probably going to have like a Capcom pass to play all the Resident Evils, but <laughs> we'll see. This is like ten years away, but that's that's what I think is going to happen eventually. So, no more microtransactions, yay! But if you forget to pay your Capcom fee, then you literally can't play a Resident Evil.
2: Indeed, and I suppose you know. You're obviously a retro gamer as well. Mm-hmm. Having hard copies of things, you know, there's still a lot of people that are hung up on, on buying digital stuff because, you know, 10, 15 years down the line, that mm-hmm. servers aren't up. That's it. So on that point, why did you think Google Stadia failed as hard as it? Because <laughs> to me, that's, a perfect, that's mm-hmm. a, that was a perfect Netflix-style streaming platform that, to me, no one's talking about it anymore. It completely disappeared. Oh, it's-
5: yeah.
3: Branding—that's the thing. It's just bad branding. I think if it had had any exclusives, if they had managed to advertise it better, like let's face it, eighty percent of the games market now is hype. It's being excited for it. Like, look at chat right now. People are wanting us to talk about the Resident Evil 8 Village and like Resident Evil Four remake leaks and stuff. And that's because we want to get excited for stuff years before we even play it. And I think the problem is that Google Stadia came out on stage and said, Hey, how do you feel about all the games you already own? But now streamed lower quality and for a monthly fee, maybe. Oh, wait, they're actually $60 each, but everywhere else they're $20. Like, I think the thing is that if they had hyped it up more of like, this is going to be the future of gaming and they actually set out what that was going to be like a hundred percent. If they had just come out on stage and said, this is Google Stadia, do you want 200-person Battle Royale, a special new like standalone Fortnite thing? It would have been a success, straight up. I think if they just managed to change it a little bit more to be like, why it's supposed to be special, instead of just, it's a crappier version of your PlayStation, I I think it would have probably taken off.
2: Yeah, not on that note. Oh, sorry, Jesse, you you going to say something?
3: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it, too,
0: is it's just a tad bit ahead of its time. Like, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I I totally agree that uh, we're going to a place of digital only or stream only or subscription only. Uh, I don't think we're there just yet. Uh, So I think, you know, Stadia's biggest issue was kind of like your namesake for, say, the Dreamcast. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just just a tad bit uh, not well fleshed, you know, not as fleshed out as its competitors, but also just slightly ahead
1: of its time as well.
2: I think that's a fair statement. And I think to me, Google Stadia, it, it did represent a step in the right direction. Like like OnLive did it. Pierce now's dabbling in it. But I think if they were gonna do a subscription model, you can you can't have you can't have your cake and eat it, you can't have everything. So I think if they would have gone down, say the game pass room, and actually had like a monthly subscription where you get loads and loads of games, that would have made sense. But I think the problem is you had the subscription. You had the pro version. But you also had to buy the games as well. So it's very confusing. It was very ambiguous what their message actually... Because to me, it was like, well, wow, this is just going to be the Netflix of games. Here's my month. Here's my fucking 10 a month, $15 a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bob's your uncle. We're all good to go. But then Destiny's $50. and yeah. yeah well, the their,
1: their marketing was just all over the place.
2: Because hmm. If I, if I'm not mistaken, there was a there was a video that somebody uh, I can't remember the creator, but there's still features that they were talking about that they still haven't implemented.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so, and I I've still I have still heard things uh, about Google Stadia that have still not been revealed. I I have heard people talk about like features and exclusive games that still haven't been shown, and some of the stuff that was like shown to me it looks like these games were pretty far along so it's it's confusing to me it seems like they're trying to wait to like blow us away it's like bro the the ship is sailing away like if you don't wow us right now it's it's gonna be sunk
0: yeah that's a problem with a lot of medias with you you don't jump on it uh fast enough it's just your opportunity's gone that's a mm-hmm. What I've argued with uh, Resident Evil Resistance, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, since its launch. Like, you know, it's cool that they keep bringing out these new updates and stuff, but I feel like a lot of this content should have been brought out at the beginning because the interest just isn't there anymore.
3: Yeah, it's weird. have you ever? If you looked at the tweets, every time they tweet like, "Hey guys, what's another update for Resident Evil Resistance?" We don't have like twenty three likes and like one reply. It's, oh, dude! Like, yeah,
0: and, <laughs> it's always, <laughs> and it's always bring back the cut content from three. Yeah,
2: where's Wesker? Everybody's just replying, "Where's Wesker? <laughs> where's where uh-huh. Wesker?" And that's that's the thing that we've had because obviously every Resident Evil dedicated news website. Now, every time we every time we release a uh, Updates, updates to Resident Evil Resistance because we want to cater to them people too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the comments just absolutely bomb. They're like, "Don't give a shit about this." I mean, Resident Evil Resistance can literally have, can literally do amazing things now, but no one's going to care about it because it's just had its its, its brand completely shat all over because of, of it doesn't it, it it's not the it was associated with Resident Evil Three and there's a byproduct, I think it's a pretty good game. It's got its flaws, but
5: mm-hmm.
2: you know, all, all games hurt. It, if they had ironed it out, it could be good, but I think I think they're just they're ruining it at the They're not they're too slow with updates, the roadmap is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I just I, I wish they would have uh, I,
3: I have think it's better. that they don't care about the the day-to-day. I think the weird thing about Resident Evil Resistance is that Resident Evil 7 had a huge sales tell. Like people were buying Resident Evil 7 still just millions of copies sometimes for weeks and weeks, months and months and months. And then they saw that same thing with the Resident Evil 2 remake, just selling and selling and selling and selling and selling and selling. So I think with Resident Evil 3, they're like, okay, if this just keeps selling even close to those numbers, we need this extra thing that's going to keep people talking about it. So I think it's that even if Resident Evil Resistance sucks, even if it never really gets properly balanced, it'll keep making that package look sweet enough that they'll keep getting new people to buy into it. So I don't think we're ever going to get any Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil 3 DLC. They're working on Resident Evil 4 probably, even though it's a different team. But I think that Resident Evil Resistance, it's not even made to be good. It's made to keep selling.
1: Oh, no. Agreed. Agreed. So,
2: on that point, what, do you, Resident Evil. what did you think of Resident Evil 3 when you played it?
3: Um, I, I wish it was a little bit... I, I think I have the main problem that everybody has, which is that missing clock tower. You really feel it. The fact that you actually go to the base of it and fight a boss that's literally jumping around the clock tower, and then there's a cutscene that basically teleports you to the other side of it. It really feels like something that's cut. And that really bothers me a lot. Other than that, though, I still think that the the new voice acting is good. I think the the new lines they've added. I like the fact that Carlos Carlos feels more like a, a guy who one. Yeah, well he <laughs> he he feels more like somebody who is tricked by Umbrella. And that's something they never actually showed in the original Resident Evil 3. They did that more in the Resident Evil books and the Resident Evil comics, but in the games they never really showed that Carlos was like Oh my God, I'm working for the terrorists. You know, so I like the fact that in the game, it's showing more of him being like, oh crap. Okay, let's evacuate people. Like, screw the orders. Um, so yeah, I liked a lot about it, but I just, I, I wanted more, which I guess is a good problem to have is wanting more of a good thing. But I, that clock tower would have made it a
1: much bigger deal to me.
2: Oh, agreed. And I, I do, I do get that vibe. And we've discussed this before, haven't we, Jesse, about how, it was obviously handled, but I feel like Resident Evil Two Remake had a lot of more love poured into it. It feels like they really understood what. And again, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm patronizing developers here with Resident Evil Three, but I just, I just felt like Resident Evil Two Remake, it just knew what it wanted to be. But Resident Evil Three Remake, it still, it still doesn't know what it wants. Does it want to be an action game again, or does it want to have the traditional survival horror elements? That's the vibe I get. What do you think, Jesse?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and a lot of that though is you know you had a outside team working on it. Um, they were also developing it on alongside Resident Evil Two, so a lot of the uh, work and attention went into the larger game of the two. Uh, and I think that's what kind of kind of made it lose its way a little bit. Was just that there wasn't uh, enough focus and energy and team available to to focus on it so i i I think that you know could have helped a little bit or had they just you know because they were supposed to release at the same time initially you know according to the developers now so i think had we not got resident evil 2 and 3 till maybe this year as a package deal i think you know as much as resident evil 2 remake was good i think we could have probably seen an even better product and probably seen a better Product of three overall, it may be a more, uh, you know, a a flowing package there.
2: Hmm. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a bad thing to say. I think that's pretty reasonable. And I mean, how many times have have you actually played uh, Resident Evil 3? I've done, I
3: think I've done four, I think I've done four playthroughs of the RE. Three remake, but I think maybe my problem is that I've done at least 25 or 30 runs, bare minimum, of Resident Evil 3 original, and I've done at least, I think I've done about 20 runs of the Resident Evil 2 remake. I've done I used to do speed runs. I don't know if you'll ever do this, but I've done about 150 times of the original Resident Evil 2. I was trying to set a world record for a while, so I used to beat it again and again and again. So I think I'm accidentally looking at it from such a fanboy lens, and I can't fully remove that. Like, I know all the cool nods and stuff. I see what they're trying to do with the Resident Evil 3 remake, and the fact that they're so close to nailing it ends up kind of bothering me.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, and that's actually a really good point and i, I discuss this when i like, i do a lot of uh streams of resident evil over on our facebook page and i always say like the resident the first resident evil remake done such a good job of the original uh, mansion uh, story that really unless you you know you've got your rose-tinted sunglasses on you just want to go back and have a little bit of fun with you know barry and his you know mm. this hole is dangerous um unless you want to go back and have really a laugh um Resident Evil Remake, You don't really. what I'm saying is you don't really need to go back and play the original, but I still feel like Resident Evil 2 Remake, Resident Evil 3 Remake, they're just, they're just not at that Resident Evil 1 Remake level where it completely makes the previous renditions of them games redundant. Like, I'll still play all four scenarios of Resident Evil 2 on, on the PS1 and the mm-hmm. same Resident Evil 3 because they're just a different vibe. They're just a different – they just still do it for me, like not how the others. I, 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 I'd like to know your thoughts on that. But what do you I mostly agree It 99%
3: does for me, I I think it 99% does. And and we know because we're hardcore fans like that's what Capcom's goal was from the beginning is they said the reason we're not calling it Resident Evil 3 remake or Resident Evil like whatever remake in the title is because we wanted to replace the original. This is the new Resident Evil 3, the new Resident Evil 2 and for me, the Resident Evil 2 remake. I mean, I could be fine if for some reason people like deleted every copy of RE2 out of existence except for the remake. I'd probably be OK. I literally like the remake that much. I think it just does so much correctly. Resident Evil 3, I'd be upset. But like the Resident Evil 2 remake just does it so
1: well for me. How did you? Again,
2: You've probably played Resident Evil 2 remake to absolute death. How did you feel about how they'd done the scenario? Like the first and second scene.
3: Yeah, I I, I still that's obviously it feels slimmed down from how different scenario A and scenario B were. But I'm still okay with it, I guess, because the city itself is so much more alive. When I was playing uh, Resident Evil two on the PlayStation one back in the day and of course, the Superior Dreamcast version, Uh it was so much of an A to B. It felt like it was like, all right. It's police station, it's lab, it's these plant monsters. It was almost like a checklist of cool, lined-up scenarios. You could see that it was very much based on, you know, really cheesy B-horror movies. That's what the inspiration was. Whereas the Resident Evil 2 remake, I liked that it was more about... Like getting to explore the character of Raccoon City, seeing the people running from zombies, actually seeing like the barricaded doors and the names written on the chalkboard as they're crossed out one by one. Like when you're exploring the police station in the remake, you get so much more of a sense of the fact that like these cops didn't suck at their job. They, they were basically killed just by overwhelming forces. I don't know. That wins me over so much that I don't miss the scenario B too much. Well, I think that's a
0: lot of just a lot of beauty in Capcom's storytelling is their ability to craft an environment mm-hmm. uh for all of its flaws? Resident Evil Three being able to go through the streets of Raccoon City on your current gen hardware was just absolutely gorgeous like it mm-hmm. it was like Re- the Resident Evil two remake the the, the environment told the story you know, you got the the despair, the you know absolute chaos from the environment. And that seems to be where Capcom's doing a lot of its storytelling now to have, you know, go into you know, Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village. Like, they're literally titling their game after the environment, which I think is kind of a smart move on Capcom's part because they have been knocking it out of the park as far as letting the, their environment set the tone and set the kind of, you know, the, the expectation of the gameplay, you know, between beautiful graphics or just the layout. Capcom is doing absolutely outstanding storytelling with just solely the environmental.
3: Yeah, no, that's That's, great. That's that's a great great great. point. holy Dude, I didn't even think of that. That's you just blew my mind there. That's really (laughs) well, because you totally nailed it. Yeah. Like the, the art, the art of Capcom now is environment. So it's really interesting that the next game is just basically Resident Evil environment. Oh my God, bro. That's really (laughs) good. I I
2: never connected that dot. That's great. And that is a perfect, perfect segue because I want to do a little bit. Of, I want to want to do a little bit of picture association here. What did you feel when you saw this?
3: Uh, I mean, the first thought I thought when I saw that is, "Oh my god, the leaks were true!" Because I read a bunch of the leaks on the website, and uh, I was like, "Oh my god, they really are going to do evil." Chris Redfield. It is weird that he looks like a guy who's been doing uh, steroids for like three or four years and his body doesn't know how to properly shape itself anymore. But, uh, you know, I'll take bulky Chris Redfield.
2: What did you think of the... Because uh, we, we, we streamed it live, the, uh, the reveal. Again, your channel was very... And that's how we, come, we both kind of cross-forces it, effectively, is, is you mentioned us in, in one of your... Uh, one of your recap videos and mm-hmm. and some of your leak videos um what did you what did you think when you first saw the trailer info
3: so much better than i ever could have thought like <laughs> uh, i i like that there's so much leaning into the the dreary darkness of resident evil like in my opinion the reason that resident evil's work from the very beginning is like the illusion of claustrophobia like of course this is just program monsters <laughs> popping out and going rar. but they managed to make it feel like you're trapped in this police station or you're trapped in these spooky labs and as soon as i saw that trailer i was like they did it they're still managing they're gonna give us a whole village but still have that really tight-knit claustrophobia to it since they're gonna be leaning into werewolves i don't know it seems so cool like it's still gonna be like you stuck... I, I hope it takes place the way Resident Evil 7 is like one day. I am hoping that Resident Evil 8 is kind of the same thing of where it's going to be like, you stumbled to the village of werewolves and it's just the storyline until dawn. Because it looks so tight-knit.
2: Oh yeah, agreed. And um, again, being Resident Evil fans, we were absolutely, absolutely <laughs> blown away. But also more blown away that we, that we didn't have egg on our face and the leaks were actually. All <laughs> right, yeah because you would be surprised we when, when we put these back out and uh, I'll, I'll spice in the uh the article in just a second but when we originally put these out i mean jesse will elaborate on this but we got absolutely <laughs> destroyed because people like just this is so far-fetched that it can't be a resident evil someone's pulling you someone's pu- pulling your leg in and um yeah like big big con- content creators yeah i, I know jesse
3: I saw that, yeah, some some of those people, sorry, yeah, I saw a couple, like, real big Resident Evil people, like, this is so obviously fake, and I, I was like, because I just, I've been reading the website forever, so I was like, this might be real, I can't tell, so it's funny, oh, that was so good.
0: Yeah, well, my whole thing about it was, is when we, when we first got the information, I was like, it sounds so far-fetched, there's no way it's fake, mm-hmm. you know, like I struggled with it a lot, you know, because we sat on information for months before we released it. And I was like, "Ah, I don't know, like, it's far-fetched, but why would somebody lie about this? You know, if this was, uh, you know, Resident Evil reunion, essentially, with, you know, somebody said, oh, Barry's coming back, Wesker's coming back, Sherry's going to be there. You know, all these, you know, all the, like, kind of, like, fan, you know, Billy Cohen, like, all these people that, you know, haven't been in games in forever. Somebody would have said that. I'd be like, okay, yeah, that just, that sounds fake. But when somebody comes and says, oh, yeah, you know, hey, I've seen the gameplay, I've seen the demos there's going to be you know, quote-unquote witches, werewolves. Uh, it's got kind of a supernatural feel to it. You know, it's just one of those things you hear, and you're like, th- th- wh- why Why Resident Evil? Like, why would you make that up in the first place? So, like I said, it was one of those things. That it, to me, I, I understood why people had the feeling that we were making it up because it sounded so far-fetched, but it had the actual opposite effect of, on me, where I was, it sounds too far-fetched to be made up.
3: I got okay. to it. You just seeing this article again gets me so freaking excited! Man. <laughs> I'm so ready for this game. I hope we get a demo. <laughs> I really hope we get a demo.
2: And that is a again, you're 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 a console guy, obviously Dreamcast guy. Yeah, that that's something that's um that, that, that's fascinating. We will. I, I do want to talk a little bit more about how you, how you became Dreamcast guy, and why specifically Dreamcast guy. But mm-hmm. there is talk that Resident Evil 8, um, even though Jesse will on this, but the um, the, the playtest was done on PlayStation 4 Pro. It's not actually going to have a PlayStation 4 port. It's, it's just going to be straight up next gen. I'd like to know your thoughts on that. Uh, mine or Jesse? Uh, you're sorry, uh, you Max.
3: Mark. Oh yeah, uh, I, it's, it, it doesn't surprise me. I've heard from different people I've talked to privately that a lot of people have been working on stuff for years and years and years, and it's almost ready to see the light of day. And now Sony and Microsoft are basically trying to get as many dev kits out there as possible to make sure that like year one and two of next Genesis Pact is as packed as possible. And so a lot of people are being like, OK, the architecture is close enough that we can make an upgraded version of our almost complete game. So it totally makes sense to me that like there was a playable version of this on PS4 and they were like. Well, we can do this entire thing with zero load times on this console over here and make it look better. Let's just go ahead and do that. You know, so uh, uh, to me, it makes sense. It's a little bit shocking. I feel like if people don't have the insider knowledge, but to me, it's like, yeah, of course,
2: of course. Yeah, I mean, don't want to get into the technical. Shop on
6: eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers Mm. or get more. For your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more. <gasps> Ooh. Bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay.
2: Elements of it, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to get into technical elements, but I suppose you it's, it's what happens with Call of Duty. It's what happens with games like FIFA, Madden. They, they, I do feel like they hold themselves back by, by current hardware and not just going whole hog and pushing forward. Even though we know the RE engine is stupidly stupidly optimized, mm-hmm. super like, uh, I mean, super, you can change, change a lot of it, change, especially the PC version recent titles. So many different configurations. It can work on something like a massive gaming computer all the way down to one of those GPE, GPD win things. So it's it's super, super, um, super optimized. Um but I suppose, yeah. Yeah, the, the, I, I really believe it's a good idea.
3: Wasn't like an interesting statement recently that that uh, the RE engine technically doesn't stand for Resident Evil engine, it stands for remake engine, and they're they're building it so that like all future Capcom games can run on it for the next couple of years. Because I think they said something of like, even though you're only seeing it as these first person games, we could like somebody basically pitched it as like they could just do definitely cry six could be in this engine as well because it's just that optimized it's just like whatever you want to build in there it, we're using it for horror right now but you could put whatever you want in there so it's like oh it's it's their decima now
2: oh indeed <laughs> indeed i mean what, what's it been the last three games jesse last uh,
1: three
0: games? yeah well Four, technically. Or no, because yeah, resistance is still made in RE engine.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, and that was technically a standalone project, so you're right. Yeah. yeah, four.
0: So yeah, I I mean I think the RE engine's here to stay. I mean Capcom Capcom um I won't say they hold a, onto an engine as long as say Bethesda does. <laughs> um but yeah you know, um Capcom doesn't really change engines a lot. So I I could see at least the next two to two to four major titles from capcom. And uh, I'm not saying that, you know, per uh franchise within capcom, but I, I would say we'd get probably another four games out of the re engine before they start looking at maybe eyeballing something else. So I, I think, I think the re engine's got at least like I said, you know, two to four games, three to four years somewhere in there before we see something new. And I'm totally fine with that. I, I, I love the way the re engine looks. Um, uh, I think it's one of the for any Resident Evil game, you know obviously you know accounting for the fact that you know graphic advancement has came and went over the past couple of years uh I think it's the best engine Capcom's had for its time uh I always felt like some of the older Capcom titles. While they, the games look good for their age, you could always tell that maybe Capcom's um, engine was you know game engine wasn't as strong as maybe some of its competitors at the time. Um, so I feel like the RE engine kind of puts Capcom on a living, level playing field with other uh, developers. So I you know I'm excited to see what the RE engine brings forward uh, going into next gen, and then you know seeing where Capcom goes for there with the engine.
2: And we're not used to not seeing um, Resident Evil, like multiple Resident Evil games being on the uh, same or or at least similar engines. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't Resident Evil to the original Resident Evil 2 and 3 on the same engine? I think or so, yeah. Same, yeah, there must have been.
3: Yeah, well, because didn't they, didn't they make them practically simultaneously? It was like a back-to-back, like one dev period, basically. Yeah, it was like, hey, we,
0: we just released Resident Evil two. Code Veronica's not ready yet, so uh mm-hmm. you you got six
3: months. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and- you know- they don't did that with, a, I don't know if you knew this, uh, Final Fantasy VIII and IX were made at the same time, which is weird because they look and play so 100% different, but apparently they were like, okay, we know the PlayStation 2 is coming up. We want to have two more Final Fantasies ready because they're still really cheap to make. So they made Final Fantasy VIII literally at the same time, like same studios making these, I don't know, I love I love when that type of stuff happens where simultaneously designed. It's so funny to me. Well, and, and
0: actually that's, you know, kind of a, a... Interesting thing to say too is you know, Resident Evil Village and 3 slash resistance and possibly two to an extent were all developed during the same time. Like Capcom's been super ambitious, whether you know people have liked the remakes and you know some of the side projects going on. Uh you know, the Resident Evil team at Capcom has been super busy. Uh because we know from the the old ambassador program emails. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the Resident Evil Village playtesting started last year, so that means you know it, it had a playable demo last year, you know, 2018, or excuse me, uh 2019. So it's got to at least been in production since 2017, 2018 uh, mm-hmm. to get to the point for a demo. So they were working on Village the same time that they were finalizing uh, two. The same time they were getting you know 60 percent of the way with Resident Evil Three. Uh, So, you know, it seems like Capcom just kind of stacked all their projects at one time.
3: And they're working, man. They're selling so fast. That's the thing, is like this is like the most profitable era, maybe ever, for Capcom. So I think at this point they're really trying to be like, okay, like let's see how fast we can make this car go. Like let's really shovel all the fuel in there.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, seven is still one of like I mean, it's still a stupidly selling title. It's like crazy. Uh, what man. was it? I think maybe back in December we we put out an article um, just based off of some sales charts and stuff from Capcom where it was still selling like neck and neck with PlayStation. You know, I mean, uh, Resident Evil Two. But you know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there's you know a difference uh, there for two being the newer game, but it was holding its own. Um and the VR the VR actually sells even stronger than the, the vanilla game. So uh yeah, like you know, this has been literally the best time to uh to be a Capcom stockholder for sure.
2: Indeed. And that is a that's a really good point, actually. Um and I hear this comment a lot online, they're going, they Capcom releasing too many games, they're releasing too many <laughs> games in such a short space of time. But well, let's not forget Resident Evil was basically Madden in the late nineties. It had yeah. a yearly release. It had, res- uh, I mean, aside from the 1.5 um, debacle between 1996 and 1998, it was Resident Evil 1, 1996, Resident Evil 2, 1998, Resident Evil 3, 1999, Survivor, Cove It was literally, it was a yearly release, so I don't know why people were shocked.
0: Really well, you, know. you, skipped, you skipped Director's Cut there. Director's Cut was technically a 97 game.
2: Mm. Yeah, it was kind of an apology, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, when, when studios did apologies to fans.
3: Well, it's so funny because I feel like the main thing that that current Resident Evil fans forget is now the series is very refined. So we are getting things like Revelations tucked in there and stuff. But we used to get so many bad spinoffs. Like, look, I've I beaten every Resident Evil game. Some of them are great. But, God, stuff like Survivor, I love Gaiden, but let's face it, Gaiden was not a good game. It was basically an RPG. You know, it was just like, now at least, e- even a bad, you want to put giant air quotes around bad here, a bad Resident Evil game like Resident Evil 3 Remake blows away every other bad spinoff we got in the 90s. So, I'll take it.
2: Yeah, no, agreed. And on that point, nice little segue, what is your favorite, Resident
3: I, it's, it's a tough call. I think I, I think I have to say Code Veronica. Code Veronica, uh, it's hard. It's the original Resident Evil 2 and Code Veronica and kind of 2 Remake, all, they're so close, I kind of have to group them together. But I'll say that Code Veronica is really the one that blew me the way the most. It's just like, it was some of the first HD graphics I ever saw. It was some of the most, I, I like the fact that it was our first time seeing the, full-on militarization of Umbrella because I'd read all the Resident Evil books before I played Resident Evil Code Veronica. So I'd already seen them talk about secret islands and crazy multi-layered facilities. But that was the first time where we got to see like a character running around in the labs of like, oh, this is our room for, you know, uh, here's a bridge that goes to this biohazard area. I don't know. I liked Code Veronica so much. And, uh, and it was cool that it also had two playable characters in one Main story. There was just a lot of stuff in there that it felt like it. It felt so experimental. Mm. And well, and plus. Definitely
2: has definitely has nothing to do with the fact that it was it was a, originally a Dreamcast exclusive.
3: Well, I mean, I'll admit, I'll admit best. some of
2: that. Yeah, I'll admit some of that was
3: that bias for sure. Of like, as I was learning the Dreamcast, that was the first I was playing to all the Resident Evils on there with the HDMI mods, so you could actually, or not the HDMI mod, the uh, VGA mods. so I was playing them in HD. They were some of the first HD games I ever played, so, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll admit that made an impression on me as well, of, like, seeing the cool lighting effects. I was like, oh my god, the
2: Dreamcast! <laughs> <laughs> so, Dreamcast, guy. Mm-hmm. Where did it come from? Why Dreamcast? It,
3: so, uh, long, long ago, like, gosh, tw- what, 20... 22 years ago uh, or so, I, I don't even know, many, many ages ago when the Dreamcast was kind of on the way out. Uh, my my mom had to go away and she she never came back. And when she was leaving, she was like, I'll buy you any gift you want. We have Christmas coming up. I'll buy you anything you want. And being a little kid, I didn't really like understand the brevity of the situation. So I was like... Well, I, I want a Sega Dreamcast, mom. I think that'd be a cool gift. And so, mom goes away. I get the Dreamcast. I play it for a while. And then, eventually, I kind of just put it in my closet and kind of forgot about it until high school. And then, uh, when I was in high school, this guy came to me at a party one day. It was like a Halo Land party. And, uh, I had uh, the new Game Boy Advance SP and he said, you have the Game Boy Advance SP. I really want it. I'll give you 100 Dreamcast games for it. I actually have them in a booklet right here. Straight trade. Let's give them right now. They're just games in a case. I don't have any of the, the fancy manuals or anything. I was like, sweet. So I spent the next couple of years extremely poor. And the only games I could play was this giant booklet of games that I still have today, which was those 100 Dreamcast games. So I actually went through and beat All these games that were some of them were fantastic. Some of them were weird, obscure RPGs like Time Crisis or was it called? Time was Timescape. And I played a bunch of these games and I loved them a bunch. And then when I started working, uh, I decided that I was going to track down every single uh, Dreamcast game. So I got the nickname because I would go into these stores and hound these poor employees of Hey man, you got any uh, you got any Dreamcast games at the back? You got any Dreamcast stuff? And so I used to go to these these like thrift shops all the time. And one day I walked in there and I was like, Oh, you guys got anything in the back? And they went, Oh great, the Dreamcast guy's here. So when I made my YouTube account, I mean that was my only nickname. So when I was making my YouTube account, I was like, Dreamcast guy. I am-
6: shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your go on stand mixers. Mm. Or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear and on ebay you can even get more <gasps> Ooh. bling for less cha-ching on jewelry <laughs> you can get more because you save more on premium brands with ebay's exclusive deals get more when you get it on ebay
3: i realized that it had become this thing you know it just it was my only nickname so that's what i put it there so
2: And what's your uh, your favorite game on the Dreamcast? I like Shinmu a lot,
3: but I think by a small margin, I'm still so obsessed with Skies of Arcadia. I like turn-based combat. I I really like that there's actually a lot of mystery to the world of Skies of Arcadia. Nobody ever really explains the floating continents, and there's like this murky underworld Uh, i don't know there's so much about that game that's so freaking fun and it works so well and i actually think it aged really well so i think skies of Arcadia* is
1: still my number one
2: okay and um what we're talking about we're talking about late 90s perfect Mm -hmm. time perfect time for resident evil (laughs) Mm -hmm. hell yeah Um, what's your earliest memories of resident evil i I mean was you like super late uh, super late into the cycle or was you there from the start I
3: I was pretty much there at the start, and I just want to say, Jesse, I love your your background Sega Saturn. I have that. Uh, I have <laughs> it on. I have the American one, but I lo- People don't know how rare that thing is, man. I show love
2: it. it. Uh, show the people. Show the people, Jesse. Grab it.
3: Nice. Am I? Uh... Nice. Here, just sure. for fun. Let me let me grab my American one because I'm ob- <laughs> overly proud of it. I This is totally unintentional, but, Which, but glorious in this <laughs> like. Uh, the funny game of like if you beat it, you could get a gold tyrant to show up and kill you or something, right? Yeah. That's what made that's what made the Sega Saturn version special.
2: I love the long box. I love the long box. Oh
3: you know, they break so much. I've only yeah. got like I've got like 12 of them, and I think one or two are broken. But
2: <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, obviously, you're familiar with how the PAL region does uh well Dreamcast and the old PlayStation One, they're in like the jewel uh, cases like that, absolutely prone to to falling mm-hmm. apart, but I don't know. For me, like you guys remember the what Jesse's got them style of CD cases for PS1 mm-hmm. games and and uh, Dreamcast games, but for me, those style of boxes was uh, was what I remember. Yeah, and, uh, they're so-, so big.
3: So sorry, yeah, <laughs> classic Resident Evil. So uh, since I I grew up really really poor, it, it was kind of this interesting thing where. Everybody, nobody ever got the same game in the entire neighborhood. There were only a couple kids with game consoles. And we would try and like strategically make it where, all right, you get Resident Evil one. I'll get Resident Evil two or whatever. Like we had to like really kind of plot out our Christmases to make sure because nobody was like there was not enough like money collectively in this neighborhood for anybody to get two of a game. So uh, from the very beginning, there was a kid up the street named Bradley. Who got Resident Evil 1 pretty much right after it came out. And that game scared the ever living hell out of me. But like in such a positive way. I, I don't think I'd ever seen a horror game before that. This this to me, we were a little we were like maybe a year or two behind the release of the PlayStation. But when I finally played it, whoa. And then Resident Evil 2 had a much bigger impact on me for sure, though, because when Resident Evil 2 came out, having multiple playable characters and because of that, people would actually trade the discs around because we were all poor. Like somebody would like play the Claire disc for a night and then people would lend you the Leon disc for a night. So discovering the, the second scenario and stuff, we didn't have strategy guides or anything. So when we started realizing that you could like play through all these alternate scenarios and see extra stuff and unlocking the hunk and tofu missions and stuff. It was so impactful. It it definitely was the first time where I kind of realized, like, this is more than just playing a video game. We are gamers like we are the people who play these games better than the other kids in the playground. It was really, really, really impactful for me.
2: So you're obviously a big fan of survival horror. Yeah, in general. I mean, Resident Evil, Resident Evil to me is the absolute pinnacle of survival horror. Uh, I feel like it it does stuff that, that other survival horror series don't do. But what highlights for you uh, with, with other survival horror games? What, what are your favorites? I, I have a lot. I kind of like a, a little bit more obscure
3: stuff. I really like Blue Stinger. Blue Stinger tried to be a almost Christmas ripoff of Resident Evil. You get trapped on this island. Uh, during Christmas time and there's like these uh, zombies and stuff and you get some guns but a lot of it's like melee combat based uh, but there will be happy Christmas music while you're beating people up it's very very quirky and kind of almost satirical horror um, I really like Silent Hill though I am super obsessed with Silent Hill uh, to the point in which I've tracked down like the rare Silent Hill comics and stuff um, I like those a lot. There's there's a lot of different stuff. Uh, honestly, the biggest thing is I'm probably the one of the most hardcore defenders of Evil Within One and Two. I love Evil Within One and Two so freaking much, and, and it's kind of weird to me that people kind of like like shit talk them so much online because I do feel like they are some of the most they're they're a good current like thing to play in between Resident Evils. I like that they're so psychological and weird, but do oh. still have you know, over the shoulder aiming and save one bullet style, like ammo conservation. I definitely like those a lot.
0: Well, what kind of kills me about that is, you know, the same people that'll say, "Well, you know, it wasn't that good," or the same people like, "Man, I wish you know Shinji Mikami would come back to Capcom and make another Resident <laughs> Evil." And it's like, "Oh, well, actually, he did." <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah, like, I, I think you know for for what the the evil within all like are his games like they're they're brilliant i mean they They are yeah they're such a testament to how creative he you know he he can be um and i think you know had he stayed with capcom made more resident evil we would have probably just it would have been you know resident evil you know insert something here you know it might have been a spinoff title like veronica Mm all right not excuse me not veronica Revelation.
3: So so that's when I I got to meet Shinji Mikami while they were doing the press circuit for Evil Within. There was like a VIP thing. And I I just, I think I just crossed 60 or 70,000 subscribers and they randomly reached out to me and they're like, would you like to to come meet Shinji Mikami? So I have the cringiest picture in the world. I'm like standing (laughs) next to like the guy who invented Resident Evil. And it's so awkward because I'm trying to take a selfie but I'm also afraid of offending him. So he's just super like, Like this guy is freaking out. So he decides to like kindly lean in closer to me, but I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Such a great man. He's so cool, man. I'm so I love those games for sure.
2: Oh no, yeah. I mean, it's I, I, you just don't get you just don't get the same feeling with uh, with with other titles. I would suggest um, just just on the point of the whole Resident Evil timeline. Did you ever get derailed or, or or a little bit in contempt with Resident Evil from when it went from its original kind of series? Think of it like Star Wars. You got kind of the original series, then had another set of three series and then another set of three series. That's kind of how I like to split resident evil up. So when it started going into more RE4, RE5, RE6 action, action horror, and then it finally returned back to traditional survival horror. What was your, what was your feelings when, when Capcom went through these changes with resident Mm -hmm. evil?
3: I liked, I I loved resident evil four. my main, my major problem was four was the fact that, the the intro movie for Resident Evil Four just basically completely dismisses Umbrella after spending basically four games, counting zero, like building up the threat of uh like the the idea of Umbrella as this super company, just having an opening cutscene that's like Umbrella sucks, lol. That kind of bothered me, but then the rest of four was good. And then five felt like it was trying to get back to like, all right, we are gonna have like super monsters and like scripted boss fights, and I was like, "Okay, this is cool." Again, I, I like the co-op a lot. I'm a huge fan of co-op. Resident Evil 6 completely lost me. I despise Resident Evil 6 to the point in which it, it almost seems like it just doesn't understand the characters. Like Leon feels like he's trying to be Arnold Schwarzenegger with the amount of like one liners he does and stuff. Like, Guess you lost your head. It's like shut, shut up, shut up right now. <laughs> so I don't know. It, those kind of lost me, but. I guess what I've always come to appreciate the most about Resident Evil is that if you hate one, just wait for the next one. They're constantly Ooh. reinventing it. They're remixing the formula. Oh, that one was weird. Okay, well, the next one's going to be Resident Evil Dead Aim. It's a first-person shooter on a boat, but with Resident Evil controls. You know, it's it, Every game manages to stand on its own so much and then add to the narrative. So I like that you can... Treat it like a cafeteria. You can pick the parts you like and skip what you don't, and still get the full product.
2: That's an absolutely glorious way. Of <laughs> it. I've never even thought about thinking about it like that, but that's that's absolutely right. They're they're constantly reinventing themselves. What did you feel like when Resident Evil Seven came out? When when they'd gone on this to me, they'd gone on this trend of action action horror games, and mm-hmm. if you know, it was always it was always one oh Resident Evil finally going to go back to their roots, you know um what did you feel like when resident Evil seven and just just your overall opinion on the game
3: so i i loved resident evil seven it scared me uh to the point in which uh one of of my first playthroughs actually turned the brightness up to maximum on the game because there were so many shadowy corners and those gooey monsters the mold beasts were so spooky to me uh i'd I had a a person reach out to me and leak some stuff to me like uh, an alpha tester for Resident Evil 7 reached out to me right before the initial reveal and was telling me like, bro, there's this new first person horror version of Resident Evil 7 that's almost done. They're about to reveal it. It is the most terrifying thing. I've been having nightmares for weeks and I'm like, "Okay, that sounds great. So when I finally got a chance to play for myself. It is so freaking good. I like it. Uh, I, I like that it has a big plot twist. I actually think that a lot of Resident Evils have a plot twist So the fact that we see the gooey old lady little kid at the end. I don't know. There's so much about that game that I definitely think worked. And I kind of respect the fact that there's only a couple monsters. Like in the whole game, there's only a couple monster types. There's like Crawling gooey guys, standing gooey guys, and then like the bakers. And that's pretty much it. And I kind of like that it is just like, I don't know, it, it feels like a body horror or backyard horror. It, it almost feels like an indie movie after somebody made the Avengers. I like that.
0: Yeah, Well, I think I, I think I brought that up with um, Avalanche on last weekend when he was on our podcast was seven is a soft, like, almost like a soft reboot of the series, period. Mm-hmm. Just because limited enemy types, you're in a huge house. um, You know, you've kind of ill prepared, you know, ill equipped. It's literally Resident Evil One, just in the swamps of Louisiana instead of the mountains of the Midwest. A, you know, you get two houses developed by George Trevor. You know, umbrellas somehow involved. I I, I mean, literally, Resident Evil Seven is just a soft reboot of resident evil one
3: Dude, so <laughs> my favorite moment of that game so i played it about a week before it came out so there were no there were no instruction videos there was no puzzle guides i just somebody sent me the disc i didn't even get the official one from capcom at that time somebody just sent me a disc in the mail so i was playing it and when i first got out of the first house because i almost thought that was the end of the game because it took me so long to like solve these puzzles and get the, the three keys to open up the front door. And as soon as I went out there and you go outside and see like the sky for the first time since the game began and it's pitch black out. And it's just like, it hit me like such a brick of like, this is what horror is supposed to be. Like it's such great modern horror. Like you have controls, you have ammo, you have freedom and you still feel fucked. And I love that. Mm hmm.
2: No, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a great way of putting it, and it had an absolute ton of references uh, to to old horror, like Evil Dead, and uh, well, obviously the 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 con the concept of walking around a, a, a backwater house uh, and someone stalking you, and it, it was almost slasher movie at some at some parts. I felt, uh, especially mm-hmm. with uh, Jack following you around. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, Jack, yeah. Yeah, Jack was just, almost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jack was you know just a kind of a swampy, you know, hickish uh, Jason. Vor, you know, Voorhees as far as like the mechanic goes, like
3: swamp. They should put that on there. It's just Swamp Jason. How do you feel about Swamp Jason?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, but that's the thing though. Like, it, and Andy has a good point. Like, it had so many callbacks to everything that makes horror film good especially like when it comes to more campy, like eighties B horror, like, you know, the evil Dead, Friday, the 13th nightmare on Elm street. Like it had so many of those like all in and a lot of it, you know, like you know, you can t- you definitely kind of tell like the, the kind of like cabin, in the woods, the evil Dead references and stuff just by the setting alone. Mm-hmm. But like I said, like Jack's mechanic being very reminiscent of a persistent threat, kind of like Jason from the, the Friday, the 13th series or, even Evelyn's kind of you know weird mind takeover thing, kind of almost uh, like you know a Freddy Krueger esque uh, like dream sequence and stuff. So like, there's so much that makes horror enjoyable that's in Resident Evil Seven, and you can tell like everybody on that team just had to absolutely be like massive horror fans to be able to stuff all that into one game and make it work.
3: Did you ever, there's a a super old Game Informer when Game Informer was first revealing stuff about Dead Space, I guess it was like 2009, 10, somewhere in there. And they were first talking about Dead Space. They said that when they were coming up with the idea for it, they went to a cabin for like two months and just way out in the woods, watched hundreds of horror movies and tried to study what made them scary? Like, is it the fact that this person's being ripped apart or is it the fact that Leatherface has this giant chainsaw? Like what technically makes this the gooey spookiness that we want? And they turn that into dead space. And it feels like they almost managed to take that same sort of theory into it. Like you're totally right, Jesse. And that it's like, it's almost the science of frights for sure in seven.
0: Well, yeah. And I, and I feel like, you know, obviously we haven't seen a lot of eight
1: yet. Um, I, I feel like that's almost like the same approach we're seeing here, just with, uh,
0: uh, you know, there's a lot of memes that went around about, um, like, Bram Stoker's uh, Dr- Dracula, you know, in references to 8. And I think those are absolutely spot on from, you know, what we've seen of the game and obviously, you know, what information we've received about the game um, over the past several months. And then even some more currently that we haven't released yet. Uh, that's what I get. Like I, I, get the feeling that somebody just like really studied, you know, Dracula, figured out what made it cool, what made it enticing, and like, okay, how can we, you know, make this horror? How can we make it Resident Evil? Because a lot of it, it just seems like a lot of it's too on the nose for it to just purely be coincidence. You know, like if if somebody, you know, if if somebody on the uh, you know dev team for Seven tried saying, oh yeah, we really didn't try going for an Evil Dead um you know feel or cabin in the woods with seven you know be like, yeah no no you definitely you know you definitely did you can't say you didn't you know and yeah I, I honestly feel that's what's going to happen with eight and i hope you know maybe in a in a later um you know interview or something you know either peter or um uh, any of the guys that connected to the uh to the dev team will be like oh yeah 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 we totally totally big fans of bram stroker and uh decided that we wanted to make you know Resident Evil vampire you
1: know <laughs> yeah
3: well, that's why I like uh, the GDC's been doing those post mortems where after a game is out after it's gotten all its DLC after it's done selling billions of copies they basically go in there and just kind of talk about the philosophies behind it it'd be cool to see that about a Resident Evil because I don't know if they've ever done one on a Resident Evil but it'd be cool to just hear the guys talk about you know canceled builds and stuff because a lot of times they'll show you like oh here's all these ideas we had that we just canceled because we couldn't figure them out it'd be cool to see like because one of the leaks I heard about was that seven at one point there was a version of Resident Evil Seven that was third person that looked the way the Resident Evil 2 remake looks. And what well, have uh, you seen
0: have you did you see the trailer for that? Because there was a there was a trailer release for that. Um
3: I don't know if I did. That it sounds was, so goofy. Um,
0: I it was like it's like literally like a 15 minute trailer or excuse me, a fifty a fifteen second trailer. Uh, and I really it's all just one it's Ethan standing in a hallway looking down at a uh, uh Evelyn's at the end of the hallway, uh, but that was from the, uh, it was only released in the West because they kind of want, or Japan, or Capcom wanted to test the Western market versus the Japanese market, and they were testing available first on person. On. Do what?
2: Available on like YouTube or something? Like that. Uh, I, yeah, I'm sure you
0: should. Somebody actually just shared it in uh, Stars posting the other day, so it should be available somewhere, but that's from the uh, the earlier build from the game. Um and then Resident Evil 2 actually had a third person or a um I think it had a first person build.
5: Um
2: Yeah, you can totally see that. I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar, uh Max, but there was a a fantastic mod for the PC versions of two and three remake where they actually they they kind of um they they took they took the head off of the characters and put you in a first person view, but it felt so native. I actually, I actually feel like it was intended to be in the game and they just took it out for
3: whatever I, reason. So I did, I did, uh, I don't talk about mods very often my channel because I'm much more review and news focused, but I did a video called like, uh, six mods that improve the Resident Evil three remake. And I talked about like a famous lighting mod and the ones that like, uh, open up the alleyways and stuff. And one of my showed was the, the first person mod. And I said straight up, like, if you buy the Resident Evil three remake, install this mod immediately like play your first playthrough because yeah it Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake they almost feel like they were made because of how tiny the hallways were and stuff it's like mm-hmm. i don't think there's supposed to be a camera six feet behind me i think it's supposed to be right here
0: well yeah and i guess i mean there was a lot of you know there was um i think it's on the ink like you know our, our friend over at uh kai morgan over at ink ribbon he did a um uh, video you know about like just canceled uh re concept and a lot of his stuff from two uh he's got footage from you know where there's supposed to be a more kind of uh what looks to be an ai system in re2 either that or a actual mul- like multiplayer segments mm-hmm. um with you know leon and uh, claire traversing places in the rpd at the same time like there's a lot of footage of that so i i think you know we could have seen uh a lot of interesting stuff, and I, you know, going forward, it's it's going to be real, real cool to see which uh, direction you know Capcoms go with camera angles, or just even like style of play in general. Hmm.
2: Just on that point of Resident Evil Seven, I want to do a little bit of another a picture reaction for uh, for <laughs> Max.
3: All right, yeah, who'd be with it. <laughs> What, did you,
2: what was your thoughts when you saw this?
3: <laughs> I still don't understand. Is that, so is that really Chris Redfield or was that a guy lying and saying he's Chris Redfield?
2: Is that it really is. Chris Redfield? It is because there was a, there was a DLC to resident evil seven called not a hero.
3: Yeah.
2: And you yeah. actually plays as Chris Redfield and it's fully voice acted and everything like that. it for all intents and purposes is Chris Redfield, which is I, even more puzzling when you see Chris Redfield in RE8. I know. Yeah.
0: in the, and I mean, and the developers did confirm that because in some of the ishu- the, in the in the interview with Famatsu, they actually said, you know, like Chris and Ethan like know each other, they have history with each other. That you know, they've all but confirmed, like, oh yeah, yeah. We're, I mean, you know, obviously they've confirmed, but that this is Chris Redfield and Seven. But they're not backtracking. They're not trying to make it sound like Ethan met, you know you know chris you know bluefield like his clone or whatever like
5: capcom you know capcom
0: Capcom is saying hey no 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 this is the that was chris redfield him and ethan are friends now and we're not going to tell you why but you know chris is going to shoot his friend's you know wife in the face you know like yeah so you know it's interesting to see that because i honestly thought when we uh when we heard about a redesign from chris like the first thing that came to my mind was Okay, if we're gonna, you know, redesign a model like literally a game later, maybe they want to do some kind of, you know, uh, n- the narrative of like, oh, that's a- that actually wasn't Chris Redfield, haha, fans, you were right the whole time, that was, you know, a fake. Uh, but it doesn't even seem like they're doing that. Like they're just they're just retconning Chris Redfield, they're you know, uh sevens Chris Redfield altogether.
1: Just, was that,
4: wasn't there some?
3: leak is or there was something where that version of chris redfield was also in the code for the resident evil 2 remake and it's the model is labeled chris redfield or something so like we we had multiple like even in universe in data it was like if you you it was a swappable skin at one point in the code for hunk and so i remember that kind of stirred up some speculation of like is he supposed to be hunk as well or but yeah it's yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah, because it um that uh, kind of fueled the fl- the fire for a downloadable uh, battle mode coming back. When mm-hmm. you know all the data miners found Chris Redfield's RE7 skin in the code, they're like, "Oh, yeah. battle battle mode confirmed." Um, and then yeah, then there was the I remember the thing about Hunk, which I actually bought into. I bought into ex- it too.
5: Yeah, because
0: <laughs> because I don't know if you remember or not, but I remember a uh, Resident Evil Revelations trailer. That made it really look like oh Chris Redfield was going again. to be Hunk. Yes, it's, uh, it's gonna come I'm up a spice. every I'm single time. Spices.
2: I'm <laughs> spices you there must was, have seen this, uh, uh, Max. You must have seen this.
0: There was Just a get, um, in for him. Yeah, the, yeah, there was an old there was an old trailer of Resident Evil Revelations where it looked like they were going to turn Hunk and Chris into the same person. And the the scenes shown in the trailer never saw the light of day in the game. It yeah. was all cut. Oh. Uh, so it was kind of like for me, it was a thing of like seeing, you know, like hearing people say, oh, well, you know, it's a swappable skin for Hunk almost felt like maybe Capcom was going to try to revive that storyline.
2: Yeah, for Could- sure. I'll take it you've played Revelations, Max.
3: Yeah, I've played Resolutions yeah. 1 and 2, yeah. All
1: right, so it's Chris Redfield in the boat chilling out. This dude is so stacked. God, I need to get those kind of steroids. And they chose to show Hunk in the trailer right there. Yeah, they're pretty heavily employed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where was
2: that in Revelations?
1: Yep. And, and it's been it's
0: been forever since I played Revelations, and I'm I'm trying. I've got the plot in my head, but Jill and Crystal like up until like only play together at the very end against. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it was they're not Jack uh, Norman or whatever his name is.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, agreed. So again. <laughs> Capcom yeah. love retconning stuff. So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know where this build of Resident Evil Revelations is because this seems like this was like Evil Chris before Evil Chris in a way. So yeah, uh, this is this is the
0: this is the long lost uh, Revelations uh, 0.5 You know that nobody ever talks about.
3: Did you uh, did you ever read the Resident Evil books by S.D. Perry?
0: I've read I've read a handful of them. I haven't read all of them.
3: So so I, I read oh god most of, you don't need to, but they're they're retellings of the games and there's some in-between books. But originally when I read them, I, I thought they were almost like a refinement, because a lot of times they would explain why this character happened to be going into Raccoon City at that time, or you'd get to see like an extra like first-person narrative part playing as hunk or whatever. And so they added extra stuff. It almost seemed like they were trying to like trim down the fat of like plot twists and scenarios and stuff. So that's why it was so funny when Resident Evil 4 came out and they stopped doing the Resident Evil books and they still just threw everything away. Like Capcom just loved to just like press the reset button again and again and again.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, we've seen it. You know, I mean, 4 got rebuilt, what, three or four times? Mm-hmm. Like, all in all, before we finally saw, and, and really out of that, we only really know of one of the, the you know, the the Hookman demo, the 3.5 that, you know, everybody knows, but there's an airship build,
5: uh, uh-huh.
0: and there, I know there's at least one other. The, in his- the,
3: the other one, I believe, was called Project Virus, and that was the one that was going to be almost entirely about him being infected and kind of the search for a cure and that was apparently some of the earliest teaser art of him with the giant fluffy jacket on apparently that was the virus build but who knows how far along i mean th- these games probably were super pre alpha they probably barely had anything done it before they scrapped it but it's so weird to think that they even got into the graphic stages of any of this stuff
0: oh yeah and i mean you know and but once they like you said though once capcom hits the reset button it's all gone yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Capcom's not the one to save anything.
2: And on that point of, of kind of bringing this full circle back to Resident Evil 8, where they, re- I really believe what we're seeing is a lot of the ideas from Resident Evil 3.5 in Resident Evil 8. Um, we're seeing the, the almost hallucinations, mm-hmm. I, w- I would suggest. Hallucinations, which is, when I look at this, I think that whole scene with Mia and Ethan and, you yeah, know, sorry, Ethan. 100% hallucination in my
3: mind. 100% fully agree.
2: I just, I, I think that was a teaser just thrown into the trailer for us to think that he's evil. But I really think that that is, that is not Chris. I don't think if it's a clone. I don't think we're going to go down this whole Resident Evil movie thing of, of Chris and his 1,200 clones. And one of them was in Resident Evil. So I really don't believe we're going to do that. But I believe that hallucinations are going to play a very, very big factor in Resident Evil 8.
3: Yeah, well, I think they're going to do that the way they can have some sorts of magic is I bet they're going to I bet a lot of the early reveals and stuff are going to almost look like magical wolf beasts. And then over time, like towards the end of the game, we're going to see, oh, man, I've been breathing all this gasoline or some shit. And then it's going to turn out, oh, it's a lab, you know? Well, yeah, I I mean,
0: yeah, it's I mean, it's the same way with Resident Evil seven. You know, everybody was like, oh, Resident Evil seven, like they're trying to go for, you know, um. You know, some kind of like psychological horror versus like a virus or whatever, and that's why you've got the little girl running around, you know, almost like a ghost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they explained it away with a virus. You know, and that's just what kind of Resident Evils done for a while. Or I mean, outside of you know, I think five and six, you know, kind of, you know, had you know was definitely always a viral narrative. Uh, but one, you know, would just zombie like you know one uh just being fresh into zombies like it not being like a, like a stupidly popular medium or i mean it was kind of stupidly popular at the time but you know a different medium for video games you're like oh god what causes zombies you know like it was kind of you know throw the player off and oh, then more yeah. to an extent where leon first in, uh you know encounters what he thought was a zombie that was he's like oh these aren't zombies so you know it kind of like threw you off a little bit of like wait a minute like how is he being mind controlled? Like, how is this working? And then you, you know, realize that Plogus is just kind of a replacement for, uh, you know, the viruses that umbrella used. And then seven, like I said, you know, bringing the hallucinations into it to a lighter extent, or, you know, just having a feeling of psychological, but actually just being explained by virus. And I, I think that's what we're going to see in eight as well Is you know, everybody's going like, Oh yeah, they've gone like, you know, super natural or whatever with the narrative. And it's like, no, like, you know, if uh, if you know, the T-Virus can turn a, you know, lizard into a hunter, you know, why can't the T-Virus, you know, do this to another animal and make, you know, kind of a kind of a werewolf-esque creature?
3: We've also had, like, borderline magical storylines already.
4: For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit Children'sNational.org/slash/holiday.
3: Like the whole thing with Alexia, if I remember correctly, couldn't Alexia light you on fire with her mind? Like pyrokinesis isn't real, folks. Like we've already had some weird, like magical, yeah. borderline <laughs> magical BS in here.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's just you know the whole like I, like the, that's the only thing that kills me so, like when people people like well it gets it gets too far away from what's what's real for Resident Evil and real. it's like yeah it's like I don't know if you know this or not, Bud, but uh, none none of this is like even remotely you know even pseudo yeah. like this is like way past like five G conspiracy level pseudo side.
3: You know? <laughs> I, mean, I I always want to link them. Did y'all play the uh, the Umbrella Chronicles? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the there's that fight when you're playing as Wesker and mm. those two twins show up and they're like they, they say some line of like, oh, these guys are like one in a billion humanity. They're like the perfect genome. In fact, the tyrant is based on their DNA. Like they're so perfect. They're they're uninflicted. They have no viruses, but they're this perfect. And Wesker's like, I'm going to show you the power of Wesker. And you start literally matrix kicking off the wall. You're in this humongous like stadium sized oh, no, yeah. building and you're jumping off the walls, literally hundreds, if not thousands of feet up and shooting headshots perfectly every single time against these guys. And it's like, this is resident evil folks. This is, it's not the laboratory scenes. It's literally a guy being like, I'm the ultimate alpha male. You know, it's, it's ridiculous.
2: And, that, and Jesse's brought this up before. I don't want to steal his thunder. He's always like, this was one thing that we were talking about with the league, where everyone's like, "There's going to be werewolves in the game." Not my Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> that's right. Well, so right. werewolves aren't okay, but anything else in Resident that's happening in Resident Evil is that's
3: so not my Resident Evil.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what that blows my mind. Is like you okay? You, you draw the line at werewolves, which is kind of like a medium like we see all over the place. Like it's not like you know, like somebody just like woke up one day and was like, oh, what would like a dog human hybrid look like? Yeah. We've we've known about where you know, like werewolves have been a popular medium for years. You know, so but that that's not acceptable. But oh let's see, let's take a flea and human DNA and inject T virus into it and then boom you get a you know you get a brain sucker. Like that makes like that, that makes sense that you can take like a you know a tiny flea, turn it into this like huge abomination by mixing, you know, human parts and some some virus parts <laughs>
3: if, if you read all the extended uh like there's like a bunch of developer notes and some of it's been canonized weren't weren't uh, one of the hunters or one of the versions of liquor is a rabbit it's a rabbit that's been directly infected with the t-virus that turns into this giant thing so it's like look folks like this stuff's been basically magic since the beginning <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah
0: i like it like literally like t-virus is just magic like it's you know, <laughs> it's what you sprinkle on something <laughs> and you know you, you sprinkle it on there and boom you get you get a news on you i know, just
3: get, picturing like a chef walking in like hello today we're gonna be cooking up some fresh frights today we got this fresh human body right here Damn, put a little sprinkle on top now it's a zombie oh is this your best friend he's infected oh no now you got to kill your best friend oh this is like an episode of saw all right catch your friend up let's do this you know it's like it's it's ridiculous
2: nothing 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 should be held back at this. let's just at least they're, they're 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 somewhat taking it seriously so mm-hmm. let let them let them go go creatively as balls to the walls as possible because if they're not restricted then you know, fantastic things can happen I just hope that they keep it
3: still grounded in a way. I will say that I still have boundaries even to myself. I definitely think that I don't want there to ever be aliens. I like that characters aren't brought back from the dead. I think that the Resident Evil series makes its own rules and it bends its own rules, but it doesn't break its own rules. So I think that's why I'm so trusting of whatever the hell 8 turns into. And I just want to say quickly to everybody in chat. I see everybody in chat. Thank y'all so much. So many nice comments. So uh, hello everybody. <laughs> yeah,
2: we have a we have a we have a. Um, and this it, this is a new
1: platform. Starting starting to gain. Um, but yeah, I mean, what have you got coming up? Where else have you got? I mean, I, I know you obviously you're a, you're a heavy news.
2: Mm-hmm. But what what kind of your aim? Where do you own?
3: Uh, I'm always I'm always having fun. I I like that. I feel like my fan base just kind of trusts me to create whatever. Uh, So I I never feel creatively restricted, which is just the ultimate freaking freedom. I can review like this. Literally Thursday, I dropped a giant review for Paper Mario. That's blowing up, and then Friday I drop a review for Ghost of Tsushima, and that blows up. Like, what kind of freaking fan base lets me do both of those games back to back and actually clicks both of them? Uh, I got some fun stuff coming up. the The next, I have, I'm playing something super top secret that I can talk about on July 24th. I'm not even allowed to give a hint what that is, but I will be talking about something on July 24th, and then I guess the next major thing I'm super excited to rip into is definitely. The Avengers beta is actually coming up and uh, I read a lot of comics. I'm a huge comic person. Actually, I have a bunch of like rare comic books on my desk at all times. So like this is like uh, a retelling of Spider-Man they did. And this is the Bat Girl who can't talk. So she learns to speak through Kung Fu. Nobody even talks about these <laughs> rare comics. So um, wow, well, that, that's yeah. that's a real story, by the way. Very good. Um, so, amazing. <laughs> yeah, they, they purposely teach her not to talk to try and change it so that her brain will literally convince itself that that violence is language. And so she like just can't she's nonverbal, but beats everybody up. So you'll notice she actually doesn't even have a mouth on her mask. But other than that cheesiness. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about the Marvel game for sure. The Marvel beta starts August 7th and then Tony Hawk's coming up. I don't know. There's there's always a million projects on my plate. and I love it. I love being too busy.
2: Oh, yeah, I suppose you know, you yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the absolute worst. You just pick up a drink.
3: Exactly, exactly.
2: <laughs> where can where can people find you? Just on just on social media.
3: YouTube dot com slash Dreamcast guy. Uh, I appreciate all the new subscribers, all the new people that have been stumbled upon the content, getting close to 200000 subscribers. Uh, When I hit it, I kind of want to maybe live stream getting a Dreamcast tattoo. Once corona dies down some, because here in Texas it is bad with a capital B, but when it chills out some, I do think it'd be interesting to actually like pay a tattoo artist to actually come to my house and, and ink me up. I think it'd be cool to get like a swirl or something.
2: I see, we all know what it means.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: Um, yeah, is there anything else you wanna touch base on Jesse before we
0: yeah, no, I, you know, I just want to say thanks again for having, you know, for, for coming on. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, uh, look, you know, if we'd love to have you back at some time. You know, I know me and you have communicated a bit in the past uh, mm-hmm. about, you know, articles and, you know, on article feedback and stuff. And we greatly appreciate, you know, anybody, you know, using our uh, sources. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of one of those surreal things, you know, because I've, I've watched you for several years now and to, you know, happen to be casually scrolling through YouTube and uh yeah, you know, see somebody that I, you know, I you know, I I won't say, you know, I know I know on a personal level, but you know, somebody that I've watched for several years, like, you know, just kind of like chilling, watching a video and then see, oh, you know, I was reading, you know, this article on bio and I'm like, whoa, what what yeah, that,
2: what, what? Yeah, <laughs> you know? Hit the group chat we was like, Whoa, what do you mean? What dream? <laughs> whoa. No, we didn't expect that.
3: Well then yeah, le- let me go ahead and put something in stone then. Whenever we get the Resident, if we get a Resident Evil Eight demo, which I feel like we probably will, because we got one for two, we got one for three, we got one for seven. So what I'll do is for sure when they drop a Resident Evil Eight demo, maybe let's do like a, a live roundtable topic thing where we come back and do a, a like talking about how we actually think it plays. Oh yeah.
0: Hopefully. Oh yeah, that would yeah, be, be yeah, awesome. amazing.
3: Okay, that sounds fun. Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely count me in for that.
2: Yeah. Any uh, any closing words, Matt, You want to communicate uh, keep... today? Uh,
3: head off. Uh, stay hyped, stay open minded, stay
1: healthy, and keep dreaming. Thank
2: you very Beautiful much, your time. Yes, you thank
1: can you, find you very us much. guys
2: on, uh, on Biohazard Cast, all on where
1: you find your social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a good day. Look after yourself. We'll, uh, we'll be.
5: Thank you very much. Peace and guys.